Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Consider this. Your diamond ring, bridal set, or other diamond jewelry can be a hidden financial asset that helps you with that fresh start. But selling jewelry can be a nightmare. Worthy offers an easy, headache-free solution by partnering with you to help you sell your jewelry and get the best deal on your piece. Our quick and easy process means less work for you and more money when you sell, all done from the comfort of your home. Visit worthy.com to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about reinventing yourself after divorce. That can be scary, exciting, overwhelming, and intimidating. And it's okay to feel all of those things. Reinventing yourself after divorce, we often see that as a headline on blog posts and articles, but what does it really mean? What does it entail? And where would you start? Well, my guest today is Alison Hall. Alison is a coach and she works with women, helping them find their strengths, purpose, and while dumping the shoulds and self-doubt. Welcome, Alison. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation. You know, I thought we could just start off with, and this kind of may be a weird question, but why is divorce so often talked about as being a time of reinvention? Because like, kind of like cynically, it's a time of loss. And the other time when we have big losses is losing a spouse in widowhood. But I don't think I've ever read any articles about reinvent yourself after being a widow. That's true. Although there should be. There should be. Because when you think about it, when you think about all the major events, obviously divorce is one of them, death of a spouse, moving, all these sorts of transformational experiences are almost always opportunities for growth and reinvention. So divorce is no different. And I like to think of the whole, I think we focus so much on the divorce part of it that we don't focus and we don't focus enough energy on the relationship part. So that was the part that we don't spend enough time thinking about. And that was the big experiment. So if you kind of look at it from the perspective of what did I learn from this experience, that kind of gets you started toward the reinvention process. If you can you know, get rid of some of the shame and blame. That's where a lot of people get hung up on the divorce aspect of it. So that's like looking at your relationship and saying, what did I learn from this? Absolutely. Yeah. Whether, you know, whether it was your choice to end the relationship or not, and no matter how long or short the relationship was, you learned something. You learned something about yourself. You may or may not have learned something about the person you were with, but the most important thing is the person that you're leaving, with, which is you. So it's kind of great to be able to, when you get to the point when you can examine, you know, do an autopsy. It's like, like I said, like a lab experiment. What did we find? I agree with you, but I think that that's kind of hard to do on your own. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is absolutely not the the beginning point. You kind of want to get there. The first part of anybody who's truly interested in reinventing themselves is really looking at where you are right now. And it's kind of a continuum. I mean, I, I know you are well aware of this. You've got people on one end of the spectrum who are stuck in basically survival mode, right? They're still experiencing anger, powerlessness, fear. 
laying blame, all those sorts of things, and they're feeling miserable and stuck. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people, and it takes time to get there, you have other people who are actually thriving. You know, they've come out, they've realized that they have opportunities, that this has freed them up to do all of the things that they want to do. They're learning lessons from their relationship experience. And then there are people somewhere in between. So the first, I think the first step is really to take stock. And that doesn't, that's not easy. And to your point, very often you do need somebody. It may be a good objective friend. That's, you have to be careful about that because, you know, it's sort of hard to judge whether or not somebody's objective or not and in your corner as well. Or a coach like me or a therapist, typically not a family member because they're wholeheartedly in your corner and, and it's difficult to get objective feedback. Right, right. And I was thinking too that, and I agree with you on the, on the spectrum, like I have had some clients come to me and they're actually just at the very beginning part of their divorce, but they're like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start fresh. And then other people who are at the beginning part of their divorce, and they're not in a position to see, not even to think like that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and some of it differs too with if if you've been a stay-at-home parent and now you're really being required to go out and work, and there's a real urgency to that, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like, I don't have time to reinvent myself. I have to earn money. Right. And sometimes the practicalities come in. I mean, there are a lot of steps to reinvention in a nice linear way, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes you have to jump in to the deep end and it's not comfortable. It's not great. It's absolutely a fake it until you make it kind of situation, but it doesn't mean that in the background you can't, you know, it doesn't mean you can't be working on some of those steps in the background. And a lot of that has to do with what's going on in your head as well. You know, all those saboteurs and the inner critic that are telling you, you can't earn enough money or you're not going to be able to succeed. And those kinds of thoughts, they just jump on top of one another to the point at which you're unable to move. They're making decisions for you, but really they're just thoughts. So there are activities you can do to help yourself kind of get out of that spiral so that you can get out there and do what you need to do. So what would you say to somebody who was like faced with going back to work, but maybe not really sure what they wanted to do or knew that they, you know, I'm going to go back and do what I did before, but that's not what I really want to do. Where, right. where do they start with that process of of reinvention? Yeah. Again, first things first, you've got to get out of your own head and start getting some positive thoughts into your head because the more that the negative thoughts are in there, the more you're kind of limiting yourself. So the first thing we typically do when we feel fearful or scared is we small down our our perspective on things. So as you pointed out, very often somebody will think, well, I'll go back to doing what I wanted to do. But in the back of your head, as you mentioned, but that's not really what I want to do. Fear is telling you that you don't have other options. So one of the first things you can do, which is it's difficult to do, this is none of this is easy, that's for sure. But one of the first things to do is to really take stock of all of your qualities, your values, the things that you're good at. And sometimes if you've been a stay-at-home person or you haven't been in the workplace in a while, it's kind of difficult to be able to do that. So very often, one of the best things to do is to ask the people around you, you know, you've been contributing to people's lives in various ways. So how are you adding value out in the world? And it gives you some great feedback and kind of boosts your ego as well. 
to get you outside of the, you know, the tunnel vision a little bit. That's kind of a scary question to ask people. Oh, it is. Uh, I mean, they sort of say, <laughs> hey, Alison, you know, we worked on that project, but and I'm thinking of like what to do next and some work, but, you know, can you give me some feedback on what I brought to the project, how I contributed? I mean, that's scary. It is. It it can be scary, but also think of it as as a great opportunity to learn. If you're if the only person giving you advice is the are the little people in your head, then you know you don't have enough information, right? This is just information gathering. You can also look at it like suppose you're just going out and having coffee chats with people, and you're asking them what they do and what skills they have and how they got into what they're doing, and then you can turn it around. To, and these are people that you know, then you can turn around and say, hey, that's interesting. Do you think I would be good at that? Or what kinds of things do you think that, you know, my skill sets would be good for? I don't think it has to be scary. It can just be informational. Okay. Well, that's a helpful perspective. So it's just like having a conversation. And like, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a formal. Asking for that 360 feedback. No, nobody wants that. I mean, <laughs> we're required in corporate America, but it's, yes, that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So like start with the conversation and try and get a, an assessment of, of your skills. And like, I've often thought like there's so many um, stay-at-home parents, they may not have worked for five years, but if they've been a stay-at-home parent, they've been involved in their kids' activities and volunteering at schools, they absolutely have skills that are viable in the workplace. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and there are lots of, you know, questionnaires or, or quizzes that you can take to give yourself a little bit of a head start in terms of what your skills are, what your values are. You know, you can find them online. Anybody could reach me on LinkedIn and I'll send them links to them. They're free and easy to use. And it it gives you a quiet little confidence like, oh, I didn't really realize I was good at this. Or yes, I do value that. Huh, that's an interesting area that I might look into. And and looking at your hobbies. And if you're a stay-at-home mom or, or parent, maybe you didn't have the opportunity to have a lot of hobbies, but you probably had something that you did that was entertaining to you. That could also be something that you could monetize. Not always, but very often that's something that that people do look toward. And also, if you've been at home and you were the person who was taking care of the household bills and things, I mean, this is just an example. You you do have some bookkeeping skills, you know? Yes. So I think we have to look at all of our, you know, our full day of activities and all the things that we do and people we interact with. That's a really good point. So as we're talking, I'm thinking most of this talk is around work. So is is reinvention really, do we associate that mostly with with work and changing careers? I think very often people do on the surface. I, I am going with you on this one. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that when we, a lot of times when people come out of divorces, particularly if it's been a number, you know, they've been in a relationship for a number of years, this was their primary person. Perhaps you've gotten into a situation where that is the one person that you interacted with. Perhaps part of your reinvention includes making some new friend groups, getting some hobbies, doing some things that maybe you had thought about in the past, maybe even getting some more education, taking art classes, all sorts of things. Maybe you were a person in the relationship, you always thought, gosh, I would love to travel, but we can't, we don't have enough money, you know, all these things, whatever the reasons may be. But now this is a great opportunity to look at the fact that the world is really your oyster. It's simply a matter of what you choose to do with it. And I, I know that can sound daunting in the in the beginning if money is a big factor or 
you're just scared. You know, things have changed considerably. But if you try to reframe and 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 part of that reframing comes from telling your story a different way. When we get out, and I and I know in your experience, I'm sure you've heard people tell their divorce story in one way or another. When you are telling your divorce story from kind of a negative perspective, um, I was hurt, this happened to me, all those sorts of things. That's kind of the mindset you end up being in. But when you flip it and try to look at it a little more positively, like we were talking about learning from the experience and being open to new opportunities, that's when you're, the doors kind of open wide. And again, the world is your oyster. So many things you could potentially do. And so you start to make a list. Awesome. So this is much more about, not just about work. Alison, I have more questions to ask you, but first we're going to take a short break. Sounds good. Listeners, my guest today is Alison Hall. Alison is a coach. She likes to say it's never too late to reach for a dream. If you only have one life to live, you'd better get cracking. And you're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back. Do stay tuned for more wisdom on reinventing yourself after divorce. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your ring from a symbol of the past to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything, from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, visit worthy.com. We're ready when you are. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. In this episode, we're talking about reinventing yourself after divorce. My guest today is Alison Hall, who coaches women through life's major transitions. And Alison has had a few transitions of her own. Alison, I was hoping before we go back to some of my, my questions, I was wondering if you could share with our listeners what was the hardest transition that you experienced and what helped you get through it? You know, I think that the toughest experience, well, I was in corporate America for 25 years and I decided to, for various reasons, to make a shift. I wanted to be my own boss. When I did that, I, I planned for it. So I was prepared that I didn't have any economic concerns. I knew what I was going to do, but it was terrifying to be my own boss, to be the person completely <laughs> in control of my own destiny. The one thing that I said, you know, to myself and to others that I really wanted was the most daunting thing. Because you're so accustomed to having other people dictate, you know, how you run your day, essentially. It doesn't matter how high in the organization you get. There are other factors that dictate what you do. And to just be out there every day, knowing that the schedule was made simply by me and money was only going to be made based on what I did, it was it was daunting. I would never turn back. I, I, I did never have a point where I said, uh-oh, I've got to go back. It was like the door just closed behind me and you look around and you say, well, here we go, we're in. Yeah, but, but once I got going, I also realized that I didn't have to keep doing the same thing. So I, but you talk about reinvention. I've reinvented several times with different careers and things that I do because it's my life and it's short and I should do what I think is valuable to me in the moment. And I, I also had the opportunity to kind of let go of perfectionism. I realized that I was a perfectionist. I had to do everything the right way or don't do it at all. And I had these crazy <laughs> lists of things. 
Not necessary. You're not, there's no permanent record. Nobody's keeping track. Just, just get out there and do it, especially new things. I've tried so many new things, you know, photography, guitar, all the, you know, fun things that I always had on a list. And I didn't have time to do it because I was busy traveling all the time for work. So that answered your question, but I added on. Sorry. Right. Well, I was going to say too, like when thinking about this, I think, you know, I was, had my corporate job and then took severance from that. And that was back in, that's like almost 10 years ago now. And this is, I think might be interesting to our, our listeners. I, I didn't set out to reinvent myself, but if you look at my resume, it looks like I did reinvent myself. And it's just, it's been a, an evolution. I went back to school and did a master's in journalism and then went into divorce coaching and mediation and and that. So, I mean, that's a com- complete evolution. And I, I, th- I think that that speaks to your point that it's not a one and done thing either. It's you, you make a move and you continually kind of tweak it to right. work with your lifestyle and to, to, li- to work with whatever it is that you want to try doing next. Right. And, and, you know, maybe you have to be practical and at first you have to select something, you know, if you have urgent economic needs and maybe you have to select some career or job that makes the, makes the money now, but it's what you do with that, right? Every opportunity is another opportunity. And as long as you're proactively making decisions for yourself and not just letting the world make decisions for you, then you're always going to be moving in the direction that you want to go. Right. And and like you with the, those other things, I think I've met a lot of people who, after divorce, kind of go back to some of the things that they liked doing when they were like in high school or college, but they gave up because their spouse didn't do it or they didn't have time. And those things brought them joy before. Right. And it's like, wow, I forgot how much fun I had when I was doing that. And that's, yeah, that's that's part of the process, isn't it? Examining. Sometimes people, you mentioned some of your folks who that you've worked with who were able, they were just ready to go. But other people are much more reticent and kind of stuck in in the past. The past is the past. I mean, that's just a fact. The past is the past. So the only thing you can control is the future. And if you if you only have so much time in a day, why not use it positively to think about good things and fun things? Another thing that I found very useful, and not just with regard to divorce, but one thing I noticed that calmed me down a lot when I would get sort of anxious about whether or not I'm going in the right direction or whatever, I realized just people may call it mindfulness or whatever, but I mean, just little things like doing when you're doing the laundry and just start thinking about fun things or listening to music or listening to podcasts and going for a walk, just the mundane things that take up so much of our day that people get so distressed about. When you kind of flip that around and make it positive and you feel content, more of your time feels positive and you're able to have more positive thoughts and move forward more positively. It's all just like a big snowball. Negative thoughts take you in one direction, positive thoughts in another. So that gets us back to that perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's about perspective, isn't it? Right, Yeah. right. And I was thinking too with those activities, it's like if you do if you do have that economic need to, to earn money and you have to act on what you've been doing before, and I totally, totally get that, but maybe finding some of those fun activities that you could go back to outside of work is Absolutely. a way is a good way to start on that reinvention wheel. Yeah. 
and I and I did want to talk about too that you know if if you know that you have to go back to work and maybe you want to do something different, knowing that at the time of the divorce is really helpful because that could give you an opportunity to negotiate a little bit of a different settlement in terms of like if you need more assets to help pay for a training program that's two years long that will help increase your earning ability that will then impact spousal support down the road. I mean, it's really great to get that out on the table during negotiations. Right. And you know that as a coach that, you know, when you're working with people who've hopefully come to you before the divorce, and I'm sure that's one of the things that you counsel them on to really start thinking about, stop thinking about what has already transpired. Let's think about where your life is going because you can do things like negotiate and also just be prepared, not feel as if you're just out in the cold on your own, that you have a plan. When you have a plan, you feel more confident. Yeah, I think you, you're you really right there. It's like having a plan helps to remove some of the uncertainty. And I think that that's what study contributes to divorce being so unsettling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you've been married for any period of time, you've got routines, things that have been taken care of in one way or the other, or you do things a certain way, you always go out and, you know, have these activities with these people. But that's why I I really am a big firm believer in making a great big list of all the things that perhaps you enjoyed in the past and haven't done, or all the things that you daydream about that you'd like to try in the future. And having that big list, you're not going to tackle the whole thing, especially if you have to go out and maybe get it back into the workforce. But it doesn't mean you can't do one little thing on that list and, you know, just create joy and let that snowball. So... Is it helpful to make a list of the things that you hate or you don't like? I think, I mean, that could be cathartic, particularly if there are things that you're not going to be obligated to do anymore. I mean, it it would help you think about, okay, well, if this one is something that really bugs me so much, I need to find a way not to do it. And that's that's a really good way to also spin back to the positive. I don't want to do this, and this is what I do want to do instead and start to sort of plan all of the things that you're going to do. But yeah, sure. I think that's great because that also gives you perspective about, well, yeah, I mean, I may be losing something, but I'm gaining an awful lot as well. I'm gaining myself and I'm gaining my independence and my freedom and my freedom to choose. So I want to ask you about timing of all of this and whether people get locked into, you know, I have to reinvent myself in six months. Right. Or like, you know, oh my God, I've got a year. I've got to reinvent myself. And da, 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 da. What what would you say to that? I think it's a daunting task. I think it's wildly unnecessary. To to set a deadline. Yeah, I think it's unnecessary. I think it's great if you have specific goals that you want to achieve by some specific date. That's fine. But the whole reinvention process, as we were both saying, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing. You don't ever have to be finished. And very often in the first, you know, few months or years even, you're just experiencing things and exposing yourself to new things and trying things and it's trial and error. So to put yourself on a deadline is is just unnecessary. You might put yourself on a deadline to say, well, by X date, I'm no longer going to do this and I'm going to be fully engaged in that. But that doesn't mean you've completed your reinvention right. process. It's right. just, Yeah. Yeah, it's like when I went back to school and did my master's in journalism, I knew I had to do the GRE. Right. So I knew when I needed to apply for school, I knew when I needed to have the GRE done. So that was kind of like working back. I did set a deadline for that. 
Exactly. But those are your goals within your entire process right. of where you want to go in your life. Yeah. Right. And I agree that, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed and that is certainly been an, an evolution and learning how to function as being self-employed and running your own business. That just, that takes time. It does. It does. And it takes time to determine whether or not, you know, when, if you make that leap to being self-employed, it takes time to determine whether or not that's actually for you and whether or not you pick the right thing, whether you need to shift over to something else. So you have to give yourself grace all the time and just, you know, take the time to review, revise, kick things out if they have to go and pick something new. And that's why I like with, with the goals, I often share with people that perhaps when you when you figure out what your goals are, first of all, make sure that it's something that's coming from inside you as opposed to someone else, you know, what you think you should be doing. We talked about getting rid of the shoulds and shouldn'ts yeah. because very often we're kind of chasing someone else's dream and don't even realize it. So whenever you look at your goals, just make sure they match what it is, where it is that you want to go. What do you want to achieve? What do you want your life to look like? And if it doesn't fit, you can kick it out and you can feel comfortable doing it because it's your life. And it's okay to change your mind. Exactly. It is. <laughs> We're expected. It's, don't you think, I mean, I don't think we, we get out of school and then we stop giving ourselves the opportunity, ourselves the opportunity to just look at each new experience as a learning thing. We're not, when we were kids and you, your parents put you on the soccer team, you didn't know how to play soccer, right? So it's, even as adults, we start new things, but we expect if we don't get it right or we're not doing it as well as everybody else, eh, maybe I shouldn't do it or, you know, I'm never going to be good at it. Some things are just opportunities to learn. Maybe you'll never get great at it, but you tried and you had a new experience and you move on and you change your mind or pick something new. And and that's okay. And that's kind of like, a, that's developing maybe for, for some of us a different mindset for how we live our lives. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I had to, I didn't always have that mindset by any stretch, you know, and I still work on it because I, the little people in my head telling me, well, you should, or you shouldn't, you know, so I have to yell at them as well. Really sounds like, you know, part of the overarching message here is that reinvention is a process. Treat yourself with grace. There's no set roadmap. It's how you work through it and what's going to work for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's all an experience. That's all. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alison. I can't believe how quickly our time went. I know, it flew. But thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. <laughs> Listeners, my guest today was Alison Hall. Alison is a coach who works with women, helping them find their strengths and purpose while dumping the shoulds and self-doubt. You'll find Alison at changeagentcoaching.com and we'll be sure to have her website in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to help you get the best deal possible on your diamond jewelry. Visit worthy.com to learn more and get started. If you have questions about an episode, compliments you'd like to share, or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcast at worthy.com. Follow the podcast at We Are So Worthy on Instagram or see our Facebook page, Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, for information about the show. Please see our show notes at worthy.com forward slash podcast for resources and more information about today's episode and guest. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. 
You can learn more about me at mandywalker.com. Huge thank yous to Worthy's production team. Listen, follow, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Our next episode will be live in two weeks, so stay tuned. Stay tuned.